Hello, and welcome to Higher Voltage. Our podcast explores the ins and outs of higher education marketing and touches on all aspects of the business of higher education. My name is Heather Dotchell. I'm a Philadelphia-based marketing and communication professional who most recently led the Marcom divisions in two area colleges. Higher Voltage is brought to you by Salesforce. Today's higher ed marketers are faced with new challenges and must expand beyond their traditional tactics to engage with constituents. Learn how Salesforce empowers institutions of all sizes to unify first-party data, build and measure targeted campaigns, and deliver personalized messaging across channels. Visit salesforce.org to learn more about how Salesforce can help your institution meet its goals. Today, we are speaking with three professionals from across the country. First up is Dr. Liz Gross, CEO of Campus Sonar. Joining her are Anise Barbosa, Digital Marketing Specialist of Wheaton College, and AJ Lopez III, Assistant Director for Digital Marketing and Social Media of Midwestern State University. Welcome all. Excited to be here. We are here because Liz has released an amazing free resource for higher education, ostensibly, but also one that reverberates beyond our corner of marketing and communications. Fundamentals of Social Media Strategy, a guide for college campuses, is exactly that, an A to Z nuts and bolts explanation of everything you need to get your social media on track. You can use it to bring into fruition a new and shiny strategy or to evaluate and retool your existing efforts. Liz, tell us about yourself and about the journey and motivation for this book, please. I'll keep the bit about myself nice and short. Uh, I am a, well, we'll see. (laughs) I am a lifetime higher education professional. I'm one of those folks who realized when they were in college that college could be a job and have since always worked in higher education. But I found a lot of different ways to do it. And for the last three and a half years, that has been at Campus Sonar. The journey for this book uh, is really fascinating, and it started long before Campus Sonar ever existed. If you ever read through to the acknowledgments at the end, which have become my favorite part of other authors' books to read lately, um, I, I mention that this book came from failure. I actually was asked probably seven years ago now, when I was supposed to be writing my dissertation, I accepted an offer to write a book chapter for a soon-to-be-published book about education and social media. And I was asked to write really a guide for marketing, communication, social media. I put off working on my dissertation, and I wrote this book chapter instead and worked my butt off to meet the deadline, turned it in, and within a week was told that they had changed their mind and they weren't gonna publish the chapter as part of the book. Uh, About six months later, after feeling a little bit defeated and over it, I realized I had all of these words that could still have a use and I published it as an ebook. I think that would have been about 2015 on my personal website. It was 20 pages. It was a really quick $10 download and just let it stay there. And then after a couple of years, I made it free and people would trickle in, download it here and there. And at the end of 2019, downloads started spiking. And I I was intrigued, but also slightly embarrassed because what I had written five years prior was not what I wanted people to be reading in 2019. So I made the decision that it needed an update. I talked it over with my marketing manager. And we decided that Campus Sonar should use this as a project. And my quick little update of my 20-page ebook 
became 20 chapters uh, and over 300 pages. And I, I had told Bree, my marketing manager, that I'd write it real quick in like maybe a month or two. Um, it took nine months, I think. So it's basically a baby. Uh, <laughs> and that's Famous last writing words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's how the book came to be. It really like when I sat down, it started to write itself. I had been giving workshops at different case conferences and I just wrote down everything we would go through in the workshops. And I actually had a publisher talk to me at a conference a little bit before this who told me that he really wanted me to publish a book, like a quote unquote real book from a publisher on higher ed social media. And when I was ready to write this, I reached out to him and he ghosted me. So I was like, screw it, we'll just publish it ourselves and we'll give it away. So that's where we're at. And can you just give us a little overview of the scope of the book? Yeah, so it is intended to be um, literally a training manual for anything a higher ed social media manager or someone who supervises one could need. It's It's got four sections. It starts with strategy and goals and audiences, goes through a lot of tactical stuff, uh, and at the end focuses on professional development and mental health and things about you as a human. So I really wanted it to be the be all and end all of higher ed social media. And so far, I think we're okay at, at getting to that point. So you might not want to read the whole book. There might only be three chapters that really speak to what you need. And that's fine because your investment is zero dollars. <laughs> well, I would recommend for everybody to read the whole book, having read it more than once at this point. Um, and the scope of this book is too far reaching to cover completely in one episode of Higher Voltage. So we're going to focus on a particular chapter today, Building Sustainable Structures for Content Creation. AJ and Anise are two of the experts who weighed in with their insight for this chapter, uh, which is why they're here today, and we are so happy to have them. AJ, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, good afternoon. I'm AJ. Um, I manage uh, social media for MSU Texas um, in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, some of the things I do create social campaigns, manage our videos and photos. Uh, and I also sit on a number of committees on campus. Ironically, now I'm on our QEP committee. So I'll actually have a lot of say on uh, our accreditation, which is going to be kind of cool uh, to bring that social media aspect to our university. Um, and it's already been a busy semester here in uh, here in Wichita Falls with uh, Texas storms and you know everything going on. So uh, it, we never sleep. So that sounds about right. Anise, can you tell us more about yourself, please? Uh, hello, and thank you for having me, Heather. I'm really happy to be joining Liz and AJ um, as part of this. Uh, I am a integrated marketing specialist for Wheaton College in Massachusetts. I do manage our flagship um, social accounts and um, the strategy for those accounts, both paid and organic. All right. Well, thank you. Liz, let's go back to you. When you chose chapter topics, what was your evaluative process? Um, in other words, other than logical step-by-step -step instruction, how did you define your goals for each chapter and how did you get there? And then specifically, what was the criteria for inclusion in, in this chapter? When I saw you wanted to ask me this question, I pulled up my calendar to figure out like, what did I actually do? Where was I? What happened? And I can remember it, which is really great. Um, we, we basically, we took the old 20 version book, 
found a few headings that made sense, but then I said I wanted to take some time and really think through if I were starting from scratch and teaching folks everything I wanted to teach them, what would it be? So I sat down in a coffee shop. Remember when we could work in a coffee shop all day? It was lovely. It was January 16th in Madison, Wisconsin. It was freezing. And uh, this was before Taylor Swift started dropping us albums every couple of months. So I was still listening to Lover and just stuck my nose canceling headphones on and really thought through like, what would this be? I started with breaking the outline of what was, became a three-day workshop into chapters. And that gave me about 60% of the book. And then from there, it was really, you know, what are the questions that people have asked me or I've heard them ask other people at social media events, like over and over and over again. And I'm sure many folks listening to this are probably also in the higher ed social Facebook group. And I'm also thinking like, what do I see there asked over and over and over again? And, and use that to build out the outline. And then for each chapter, I just wrote a sentence of what I wanted it to be. And I actually found the outline and pulled it up. So for example, there is a chapter, chapter two called Know Your Audience. And the sentence that like really grounded that chapter was the general public is not a target audience. <laughs> like I wanted I wanted the grounding sentence to be tweetable for every chapter. There's there's a chapter called What Does Strategy Mean, which people have told me has been really helpful in helping them get their mind around that really nebulous topic. And my comment in the outline there was what the hell is strategy anyway? Like I hope you don't hell doesn't mean you have to put an explicit on a podcast, I assume. No, we're 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 all grown ups <laughs> here. <laughs> So that was like I in one day I wrote what what I think ended up being like a seven page annotated outline of the whole thing. And when I think specifically about this chapter on sustainable content creation, there's bits of it that come straight from that social media strategy workshop that I had been teaching. Um, they were exercises actually from the workshop that I put into the outline. There's some pet peeves that I really wanted to make sure the world heard and had documented in a reliable source, like don't post flyers on social media. Like That went into the outline. I needed that to be here. Um, I was thinking about a, a, a talk that I know AJ probably saw at a prior case social media conference that my colleague Stephen App gave about content repurposing. I pulled up his slides and just started throwing his content in there, which he got full credit for. But then when I think about like those questions that happen all the time, everyone probably once a week are seeing questions in the higher ed social Facebook group of how do you plan your content? How do you do things? And there's no one way to do that. So I wanted to make sure there were a bunch of different perspectives to how people did that. And AJ and Anise are two of five professionals that I focused on in there that did it. But the ultimate goal of this whole chapter was for someone to be able to work through their content creation process and document it to show someone everything that goes into it, but also be able to provide some continuity to their program. Heaven forbid they ever want to get another job and pass it on to somebody else. Anise, your perspective in the chapter is told through the lens of being a team of one. Uh, what are the main challenges of managing all of the college social media yourself? How do you meet them? Uh, and I could do follow-up questions after, after we hit those first two. 
Sure. Um, I'd say that the biggest challenge is online. Uh, Wheaton is on par overall with any other large institution. So um, from the perspective of our prospective audiences, when they're weighing our school next to another liberal arts college, they're not going in with a mindset of, well, they only have one person managing their social, right? So they're looking at our Instagram next to whoever our competitor is or, um, so that is the biggest challenge, right? Meeting um, our competitors, making sure our message is getting out with the same quality or somewhat of the same quality. So I'd say the resource um, to maintain a professional presence that is equitable uh, to that of our competitors um, and represent the institution in a um, competitive lens is the biggest um, challenge for a team of one. So uh, we wanna be in all the places our competitors are, where our students are. So it does, uh, become quite a bit. And uh, for a team of one, it's uh, the challenge is prioritizing uh, messages and channels. So that transcends uh, into my work uh, in a lot of valuable relationships with partners across college, with students, with our community. So I would say that is the biggest challenge for us. Yeah, I can, uh, can imagine. And I think there there's probably more schools than not that that face that kind of challenge. So what are your favorite tools, um, tips, tricks, that kind of thing that that help get you through the day to day of having just this this onslaught? I like that lens that you're putting it through that, you know, nobody's looking at the accounts of Wheaton and your competitors and saying, well, they have three people on their social team versus, you know, like that. That's absolutely the truth. So how so, do you deal? Yeah, um, for for me, uh, it has always been about showing um, what makes Wheaton unique. We are a small community and a small school. So leaning in the members in our community to help uh, me tell that story. Because if you ever ask anybody, staff, uh, student, faculty, they will tell you one of the best parts uh, of being at Wheaton is the community. So I, um, over the last three to four years that I have been managing our social accounts, I have uh, created this community that is excited about creating content for us. Let it be on Instagram with photos, takeovers while they're abroad, or parent testimonials. So it, it has always about bringing in that part of the Wheaton experience online. Um, and I do that with the help of the community. So our students work for us uh, during the academic year. I do have three student social media ambassadors that help me with content creation and capturing student life uh, through the lens of a student in a way that I'm not able to or a photographer and might not be able to. Um, we do have a process for our community to submit content to us uh, to be shared. We do have a process for uh, seeking out recommendations from parents, alumni, and using that to um, push our mes message forward. So again, in leaning in, leaning into the thing that makes we in special, the community, and um, using those strengths uh, to help with the marketing message. That's great. So. Um can you share what those processes actually are? Yeah, so we have a paid student work 
position. Um, we hire three students each year and they are responsible for content creation for Instagram stories, Snapchat, and depending on also their interests and their skill level, we will allow them to take part in content creation such as writing and blogging. So that is one way uh, we use uh, students and our community. Um, for our parent outreach program, we do have a parents group um, that is managed um, within a different department on campus. So we do have the marketing office has strong relationship with this particular office and they're always on the lookout for positive feedback from our community um, that we are able to use in recruiting or even in yielding parents and families uh, to we and it is also a great community for uh, pulse check on the things that we're doing. Um, so I do monitor if during times of crisis or even if there are any particular changes happening within the college. That is a group that I also lean on um, for crafting messages to address issues. So that is another um, tactic that I use. And again, um, we also encourage folks to always uh, share back with us. I would say the way that essentially the larger Wheaton community, such as staff, faculty, visitors, friends, um, take part in our social strategy is if they're on campus and they take a photo and they tag their location, I always go in and comment and, and say, wow, great photo. Would it be okay if we reposted it? So I do a lot of back and forth um, with all members of our community and making sure that those channels remain open, not just for serving our purposes, but also like in times um, when they might need something for us uh, from us, um, that that channel is open. That's great. And I saw Liz nodding along with that, uh, that that engagement bit is is huge. And it's something I know that Campus Sonar's research has shown um, that colleges and universities aren't necessarily spectacular at. Uh, so it's it's really good to hear that, um, to, to keep beating beating that drum of uh, something I don't want to say simple because it certainly isn't. It is, you know, resource consuming and all of that, but is a very actionable, immediate course uh, that we can take to, to improve those channels. AJ, so as I was reading through the chapter, I realized you are a man after my own heart in that you use Google Docs instead of software content management. Um, I have tried a million different kinds of software for that, and I always return to the simplicity of my own uh, Google documents and my own design. So I think we're kindred spirits that way. Tell us about your content mapping, please. Um, yeah, no, I've, I'm with you. I've been through a lot of different uh, software and I just can't find any that work as better as Google. They figured it out. Um, some of the, for content mapping, uh, and I, I remember talking about this, um, Liz asked a random question on Twitter and so then I just broke it down what we did, um, was, uh, so we create something called a skeleton, um, which is, is that it's a calendar for the semester. And it breaks down, you know, important things like uh, deadlines, uh, scholarship deadlines, uh, graduation deadlines, when graduation is, any of our spring traditions. Um, it goes, it goes through all that, and then from there, you know, we start putting things that we want to work on. Uh, I know, like in January, Squirrel Appreciation Day, so we have to keep that one in uh, on the 21st. And then, uh, you know, we usually do something around Valentine's Day. 
uh, or and then um, in March when we have spring break this year, we don't have it, but we've replaced it with something else. So we've already had that all on our calendar. Um, and then from there, um, with my student team, they start picking and choosing, you know, what they want to work on for long term projects. Uh, I know one of the big projects they worked on this year that we're hoping to get out this week is around Valentine's Day. We wanted they wanted to do a uh, dessert video. I think they just wanted to eat for work. Um, but we created, so we created the dessert video, uh, with, uh, local, uh, our local shops around Wichita Falls and, uh, which is perfect because we just got a crumble and a nothing bunk cake, which are amazing, but it's nice that we can actually feature our local ones. Uh, so it almost looks like, you know, Hey, that's cool. We got those, but look at what we've always had. And so it's just one of the things, uh, we're just trying to show off our city a little bit more. Uh, and so that's one of the things we have that we have right now with us. And so with the skeleton, um, whenever something kind of goes off the rails, which is like this last week, it's been a lot of things. We can always go back. It always keeps, you know, us in check to where we know, okay, this deadline, uh, we had the Texas storm. So we had to go back in and actually move some of those deadlines because they were supposed to be that week. Uh, of the Texas winter storm. And then, so we just moved them to the following week, but we already knew to ask, we started asking those questions during that week um, so that we could be ready the week before. Also, one thing we learned is that when we start asking these questions, uh, administrators aren't necessarily thinking about that half the time that they have a deadline coming up. So when we start asking them and they actually start thinking about it. And so we can get ahead of, ahead of this, especially before the students start asking these questions. Um, so having something like that um, also helps the campus overall. At the beginning of the uh, semester, I'll go around and I'll get everyone's input on the skeleton. I'll visit friends at other departments, see what they're doing. We'll put it all into the skeleton and it becomes like our social media Bible. So it's always uh, great to come back to it and be able to, you know, know where we are in the year. So um, I can't wait to get to May. <laughs> How many are on your team, AJ? Um, so staff-wise, it's just me, but I have four students that I work with. They all have different kind of roles. Uh, my first one, she's our talent as well as our um, producer. She does all the legwork for our video production as well as runs our TikTok, um, and she gets a lot of that. Uh, lately, she's been trying to outsource it to show more of our diversity, and so she's trying to get more students to submit content rather than her just do it herself. So that's something we're experimenting with right now. Um, had a little bit of luck. I think it's gonna just take a while to get that comfortable, especially as more students transition. But we do know there's a lot of freshmen on there. So it's kind of nice uh, that I think we're, right now we're at the perfect time. We're already established. So uh, with those new freshmen coming in, it'll just be perfect to start getting that rolling. Um, I have another one. Uh, all she does is video. That's that's it. She just does anything with video. Um, and video is already time consuming, so she fills those hours up pretty quick. Uh, and then I have one that does just photography. Uh, we send her out. Um, one thing I've learned is that uh, I still do photography as well, but I can send her out on little assignments. Um, one, like if I, we had a new building, so I sent her out to, you know, get a picture of the new building. It takes me like an hour to do all that. Uh, for her, it's going to take her about an hour too, but it's an hour I don't have to, you know, give up. So I can just send her out to do that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a little bit more challenging to her than for me, uh, but we'll get the same results. 
So that's one of the things like I've been able to outsource our students that way. And they're also getting, you know, marketing experience as well. And then I have my last one who's my graduate assistant. She's right now working on an account that we set up that's a, a student account. And she's been working on that. She's been doing some outsourcing with students. Uh, as well as she uh, does monitoring for me whenever I need a break or vacation. Uh, so she kind of fills those roles as well. So overall, they do a lot, uh, way a lot. So it's always fun. And lately, uh, they've been picking projects where they get to eat. Uh, we even have a new video series on Instagram that's called Meals with the Mustangs that they picked because they could eat. I told them, you have to create a concept. And they figured out, okay, midnight snacks. <laughs> So this actually premieres at 10 o'clock at night, which has been so much fun. Uh, we've gotten some good engagement off of it. So that's been uh, fun seeing how the students work. I love it. And and very, very smart on their part. I mean, it's only fair. If you're going to be doing this, snacks are a necessity. <laughs> uh, for another perspective, Liz, a non-campus one, how does Campus Sonar manage its social media and content? Yeah. So it's important to think of how different we are <laughs> from a campus. Um, Business-wise, there's a total of 12 of us in the entire company. There are three people on the marketing team. Uh, and our social audience in total across all platforms is just about 2,500 people. So we're a small company with a fairly intimate social media community. Like there are plenty of individuals listening to this podcast who have more followers than Campus Sonar does, but we found the right ones. So we want to make sure that we are serving up content that essentially does three things. One, it makes us look smart because we want to be seen as experts in the industry. Uh, two is engaging. It prompts someone to either share or interact with us because social media, particularly 2020 and beyond, has been how we have a lot of our conversations with our clients and our prospects. And then third, we want to do anything that promotes being strategic. Uh, sitting in the social media space, there's a lot of fluff and a lot of new shiny, and we want to really focus on the strategy. So from a content perspective, I'm, I'm not sure everybody knows this, but I don't touch our social media, and I haven't for years. And the, the content calendar for our social media has always been done by Michelle Mulder, who is now our current content strategist. And she does a variety of things to put her content together. Um, she really pays attention to what Sonarians are sharing on social media. And if we are sharing something on our personal account that resonated with our personal audiences, she'll put that on our corporate account. She's, of course, making sure to sprinkle in some things that drive leads for our business or also promote some services. And then she spends a decent amount of time curating content. So we focus a lot on sharing smart stuff from our community. She's the type of person who will you know, see a tweet on Tuesday and know that she wants to share it, but she's already a week ahead in her content calendar. So she's going to save that and like quote retweet it 10 days from now. That's that's pretty common with us. And all of that, you know, just kind of there. I'm sure there's a Google Doc somewhere, AJ. But when it comes time to actually plan the next week's content, we only plan one week in advance ever. And um, she builds that calendar on like Thursday or Friday, and it'll get approved at the end of the day on Friday for what's going to go out next week. And if we want to dive into the tech and scheduling and stuff later, we can. We focus on Twitter a ton. And then there's a couple other platforms we use for different reasons, but 
the higher community that wants to talk to us is largely on Twitter. And that's where we're spending our time. So that's a great segue, um, because I'd like to talk a little bit about how we are differentiating between channels um, and how we're repurposing content differently for the channels. Um, so Anise, would you like to start with that? Uh, sure, yes. Uh, so we uh, do a ton of this. Um, I'm a big fan of doing it once and repurpose it as many times and as many places as you can. So um, we do that at we in, um, in a variety of ways. So a story that might be written for our website does end up being shared across our newsletters, social, and sometimes even tip off like a takeover or something of that nature for us. Um, and conversely, stuff that we do on social media also ends up trickling down to these other channels. For example, our study abroad takeovers, um, we, I started that about three years ago and they became like such a huge hit uh, within the campus community um, as students explore destination um, for their study abroad. Almost, um, I want to say something like three fourths of the Wheaton community, I mean, of the Wheaton student body does go abroad. Um, so it, it resonated a lot with the internal student body. But we also do talk about studying abroad as part of our admission communication. So um, in addition of having it on Instagram stories and Snapchat for our current students, um, I've repackaged some of these videos and made them permanent fixtures of our YouTube channel. And also um, in that way, it, we're able to reshare it and um, and package it for admission communications and emails. So that is one way um, communication and content goes back and forth uh, in between uh, social and other uh, digital channels. Okay, so AJ, same question for you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your channel differentiation and your content repurposing? Um, so we have uh, six of our main channels, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, and YouTube. Those are the six ones we focus on. Facebook, of course, uh, has so many problems just to start off with, but that's pretty much become uh, more geared towards alumni parents, but also, you know, that's a central uh, area that students trust, at least when we, you know, issue any statements or anything, you know, that's important that they need to know about or whenever, you know, they're getting a snow day. We kind of keep it on there. Same with Twitter. We keep uh, a lot of that information between Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then Twitter is also uh, more uh, event-based. We uh, create some of the events that are going on, um, more of our campus traditions within Twitter. And then we break it down with Instagram is kind of like our hub. It has everything we need right now. Uh, we've just started with Reels, and so we're having a little bit of fun with that. And that's that's kind of the overall. It kind of encompasses, you know, alums, uh, current students, especially, you know, future students and, you know, the community in general. Um, and then we have uh, LinkedIn, which is, you know, our, mostly for our alums and, you know, seniors, as well as we have um, YouTube, which is kind of for more of a newer students. But we've noticed that with YouTube, you know, it has a two-year, it almost has like a two-year lifespan. So any videos, you're, they're going to be on for at least a couple years, whatever's on there. So we've we've noticed that when creating videos, it needs to be something that's long-term that will still be relevant in two years. Uh, and then we have uh, TikTok. That is our newest one. And we're just, we're still experimenting with it. Uh, what we've, we've learned is that it's the inside joke of your university. So anything that's kind of like an inside joke that creates community, that's how TikTok works. Uh, people go there to kind of, you know, 
be entertained and also be informed, uh, which is what we've learned. And as repurposing content, so the fun thing is, is with those ones, like uh, today on LinkedIn, I reposted something that I posted on Facebook five years ago. Uh, the the imagery hasn't changed, but so it was just pictures of our bells um, and they make a very distinctive sound. Anyone who's an alum knows that sound. So basically, you know, we put it on LinkedIn for our alums, be like, hey, if you've heard this sound, if you can hear this picture, make a sound, you probably went here. Um, we did something like that. And it was something we used on Facebook, you know, five years ago, just showing off our bells. Something we used on Instagram two years ago, you know, just, you know, similar posts. But so we've been able to repurpose content like that, depending on, you know, what has changed. So two years ago, our skyline changed. So I've just been updating photos now with that. And I've been like archiving others that have don't have the same skyline anymore. Uh, so you have to keep that up. I have photos labeled and video labeled with, you know, time of the year and seasons. So we make sure, you know, whatever we repurpose is going to look exactly like what the campus currently looks like. Uh, that's a big thing because they'll call you out. And so we do a lot of that. We just label things and, you know, we repurpose as needed. Uh, Instagram is usually like our first one and everything goes on Instagram first and then it kind of repurposes out within all the other socials and it can be two or three years later before it goes to another social. But we just kind of keep that so that we have enough content going that we can fill in when there's not anything major. Uh, as well as since uh, we've been shooting social first, a lot of this content also reaches, you know, our view books, you know, our marketing material as well. So it can be seen something on Instagram or Facebook, but then it's also going to be seen, you know, a few months later on uh, one of the marketing things. And so that creates a tie into our social as well. Um, so everything, you know, at least on the visual side is uh, social first and which, you know, really resonates with, especially like if they're seeing a view book, it's going to see something you're going to be used to seeing on Instagram. So it's going to really uh, have that same effect that, you know, the current students that we're recruiting are used to. So I like that idea of having, in your case, Instagram or, you know, one particular vehicle that, that best suits your institution as the hub from which all the others flow. That's a that's a really interesting way to look at it. Anise, did you want to add anything here? As far as tools, um, we do internally have a project management system that we use to collaborate with partners um, on any particular social um, endeavor that they're taking on. And that's how I manage my work. As for the students who help us, we do a weekly check-in um, to just outline the priorities for the coming week. And I either uh, schedule them at the end of the week or at the beginning of the week, just so um, we can review what happened uh, the prior week and plan content for the week ahead. And that is the same way I approach the content that I manage myself. So I always schedule things out about a week in advance to allow flexibility. And also, we don't typically create a ton of content beforehand. So um, I use Hootsuite personally, um, but there are a, a bazillion tools out there uh, similar to Hootsuite. Uh, and for our interns, um, I have a mobile phone um, that is paid by Wheaton, and that is what they use to create their content. Um, I don't rely on our students having a data plan to support all of our work. So um, I do have a phone that they uh, take on essentially for the semester, and that's how they do photography and video. Um, we pay for things uh, like apps to add closed captioning to videos, or if they want a preset or something of that nature, we do have a small um, budget allocated for things like that. 
um, content creation for uh, like writing and um, for social uh, for Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter that does happen within our communications team um, but I do have access to um, their planning calendar and they use Google um, for um, Google products for creating that content calendar and I usually peek in before um, moving on with any content plan for social. So Anise mentioned that she uses Hootsuite for scheduling. Um, AJ, do you have a scheduler that you tend to use? Um, and what is the reasoning behind using a scheduler or not for that matter? Um, so any of our schedulers that we have, uh, we usually just use the native ones. Uh, TweetDeck or, and now Twitter now has scheduling within it. Creator Studio for Facebook and Instagram. TikTok even has a scheduler now. Uh, we don't use theirs, but they do have one. And, uh, and then YouTube's especially. We use YouTube's a lot. We'll schedule for, you know, s- certain times. I think the only one that doesn't have a schedule is LinkedIn. And we just, yeah, we just use the native ones mostly because I've seen other, I've seen these companies go down before. So, I mean, if at least, you know, if Creator Studio or those things go down, I know Facebook's probably going to go down next. So it's not going to matter. And not only that, but they always come out with these tools first immediately. I know Instagram's been going through tons of updates and we use Iconosquare for analytics. And I mean, they've had trouble, you know, with the API. And I know a lot of companies have had trouble with that API. So uh, something like that, it's easy. It's it's easier to just use the, the tools they already have uh, developed for the apps. So as you look over the past year, which um, admittedly was a bizarre one for all of us, what was your favorite or most effective content? AJ, you want to start? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I'll say this. Um, so we had a whole big push about the mass thing. And so a big thing that we made sure that trickled down was everyone in pictures needs to be wearing masks. Um, no picture would go out without a mask on. And a lot of the, right now our students, you know, we are at zero right now with COVID cases for students. Um, It's the first time uh, since July uh, that we've had zero cases. So, um, I mean, a lot of of what we've done uh, to kind of, you know, we've been showing the students that our culture right now is masks on. So any of the pictures, any of that, I mean, to us, that's a success, you know, being able to keep those cases down, uh, especially being able to do a campaign like this where, everything has to have mask on. That's probably what we've been most successful about. Uh, We learned a lot of things, uh, especially my students. Like we kept talking about, you know, to take a good photo, focus on the eyes. You know, we don't have a smile or teeth anymore because they have a mask on. So we were like, focus on the eyes. The eyes will still tell the story of a photo anyway. We had to kind of restructure, you know, the way we did stuff like that. And also, um, you know, just the way we approach, you know, how we set up these things, you know, we got like, you know, a lot of uh, microphone covers and, you know, we got a lot of them so we could just throw them away right afterwards. You know, things like that. To me, those were more of our successes being able to, you know, manage this during a pandemic. For for me, my favorite part of last year is seeing our community uh, step up and share uh content with us. So right when we um, went remote about a year ago, actually, 
Um, I put out a call for any member of our community to share their photos of campus with us uh, since we were not going to be on campus. And um, for the majority of last year, our photographer didn't have to go on campus. I didn't have to go on campus because our community was able to sustain our Instagram. Like we post three times a week um, throughout the year. And um, for me, it's a huge thing that we didn't have to go in and do any um or the photography for it. So it, it was a moment of pride for me personally to see our community be responsive to such an ask and students actually wanting to engage with our account in that way. Um, so that had to be my favorite moment. And uh, Liz, how about Campus Sonar? What was your favorite or most effective content this year? I have to pick two for very different reasons. Um, clearly, I love this book as content. It's it's 60,000 words and dozens of graphics, and we will be using it as content for at least a year, if not two or more. I might have to check in with AJ in five years and see if I've got something I can repurpose from then. But it's a perfect example of content repurposing. We can take a sentence from it and use it on Twitter. We can take a part of a chapter and use it as a blog post, which we've done many, many times. I'll take a few paragraphs and put it on LinkedIn. And it is going to become webinars, potentially webinars or podcasts, something like that. It's, it is going to live on for a long time. And that makes the marketing team feel so great because they spent so much time on this large piece of content and now they can just pick and pull what comes from it. So that's my happy content that that was my favorite. But also I think when I think about the last year content and campus owner, I have to talk about our coronavirus industry briefings. Uh, those came out of nowhere frankly. It was an idea that we threw together within a couple of days and then decided to throw resources at for two months. But they also, they were the content that folks needed at the right time. They turned into webinars. Um, that was a really good example of just listening to, to our community, knowing what our strategy was, and mixing those together. And at a time when I sent everybody home and we were all working from our homes, we didn't have to think about whatever sort of fun, cool content we needed to put out, we could actually just talk about what everyone wanted to talk about. And that was the gap that the briefings filled. But I was very happy to stop doing them in May. Yeah, those briefings were amazing and they were a huge service to higher ed. Um, I read every single one of them as they came out because they were they were just so integral to, to understanding what was going on and, and how the community had to react um, at that time. And they would not have been my favorite content if people hadn't been willing to tell us that on a regular basis. We kept doing it because people were telling us what it meant and we could see the analytics. It wouldn't have been fun to just put out for the sake of putting out. All right, a slight pivot here um, out of curiosity's sake more than anything. What is your favorite platform to create content for? I mean, I can stop. I'm an old Gen X here. So I can Facebook your face off without even thinking. I'm pretty good at Twitter. I do Instagram, but not well. 
<laughs> and I have yet to heed the siren call of TikTok, despite my children asking me to. You really don't want to see me dance. So, uh, Anise, you're right below me on the, the Brady Bunch block of video chat here. What's your platform of choice for content? Um, I'd say personally, I love Twitter and it's a new love. Um, I think my Twitter was dormant for about 10 years, um, but I do love engaging with other higher ed and marketing folks um, on it. But for work, I would say Instagram is my favorite. Um, I love uh, the ability to tell uh, stories visually and in like micro blogs um, through the caption. So uh, for work, I would definitely pick Instagram and personally Twitter. AJ? Um, I'm with Denise. Instagram is, you know, my favorite, uh, especially stories. You know, it's just so easy now. Um, and I, I just love Instagram. Um, now, watching content, that'd probably be TikTok. But I am not good at creating content on TikTok. Um, but I can go down that rabbit hole. And, you know, I was on Bean Talk the other day. That's a weird place to be. So, you know, go check that out sometime. It's interesting. Cleaning TikTok is a whole other thing. I, I follow this housekeeper in Texas, Vanessa, who is phenomenal. And my husband is like, what would it take to get her to come up here just to help us keep the place clean? Oh, that's funny. My personal TikTok wormhole is all the um, uh, Native Americans who are using it to preserve language. Um, that is a really, really fun, um, I can't even call it a wormhole because it's just so important too. But if you, if you're looking for something very interesting to, to, to look into, I'd recommend that. So Heather, if you think you're an old, uh, I have two platforms tied for my favorite personally. And one of them is LinkedIn. Like I watch people trash LinkedIn constantly. I love it. Anise is pointing out, yes, I hate Lincoln. I, I love it. I make an effort. I literally write in my planner, post this on LinkedIn today because back in the day when I would see people in person at conferences, I can't tell you how many basically strangers would come and say hi and talk about something I posted on LinkedIn that they never interacted with, that they never commented with, but that's how they knew what I was working on because I was talking about it on LinkedIn. So I, I think it, people are sleeping on LinkedIn and there's just a lot of lurkers and you just got to put in the time and be okay with it. But if worse came to worse and I could only pick one way to communicate on social media, it would be the Twitter thread. I love me a Twitter thread. I actually agree with Liz on the LinkedIn thing. And, and that's the fun thing about LinkedIn. We've learned that we actually use our Facebook strategy now for LinkedIn because it's a nicer place uh, than Facebook. And uh, the other thing we found out is LinkedIn has like a two or three week uh, lifeline, whereas Facebook has only one to two days. So the content lives a whole lot longer on LinkedIn. Uh, and for most universities, also LinkedIn might be their biggest social media and they may not even know it. Yeah, that is absolutely true for Wheaton. That is our largest um, by followers. Um, our largest uh, social media platform. And we do use it um, as part of our strategy. But personally, I have not had a lot of success with it in its intended purpose. Yeah, LinkedIn has been the largest at the institutions I've been at, too. 
Uh, so this brings me to another question as we're just kind of rambling now at the end of this. Um, YouTube for content strategy, uh, not just a video depository. How are you accounting for that in your day to day? We actually have a strategy for it and a lot of it. Uh, so we are a town about of 100,000, two hours uh, north of Dallas, two hours south of Oklahoma City, smack dab in the middle on the border of the United States and you know Oklahoma, um, the United States and Texas. What we've started to do is we've kind of shown off you know, what the city looks like. Um, so we've done a lot of uh, uh, things that kind of showed off and we've done it from a student perspective. Um, we're trying right now to get more of that student perspective in. The problem we're seeing is that it's just video is uh, very time consuming. Um, so we're trying to find uh, more and more people who understand that part of video um, and create a strategy around that. Right now we got about one to two videos a month, but we've stopped you know, making it as a depository just because we know we're being searched and we do um, uh, weekly searches to you know, find out what's on other uh, accounts um, and some of the ones we've been able to repurpose and bring them onto our account uh, with our branding and stuff like that. I think that's uh, the one we're going to be using a lot to really show what uh, what the campus is also like. Uh, we know our number one search term in YouTube is dorms. Uh, and so we're really going to try and put a little bit more effort this uh, semester before the summer start uh, to uh, get more dorm video on a student perspective. Are you going to call it a dorm? Are you going to use the D word? I use the D word. And ironically, I'm in Legacy Hall, which is a residence hall um, <laughs> where my office is located. Yeah. I, I mean, and there's so many there's so many things I've read about it. It's just dorm. I mean, you have the data I'm, to prove that that's what people want. I'm looking forward to your dorm videos, AJ. Yeah. Until people start using residence hall. I won't start using it. It's the same reason I don't call our our uh, mesquite dining hall. I still call it the calf. That's what they call it. Um, I'd say similar to AJ, um, we have also shifted from using YouTube as a hosting solution to more of a marketing channel. And that became even more important as everything switched to virtual. Um, I had started an audit of our 500 videos and uh, started archiving process with our digital archives to kind of remove some of these um, outdated pieces of content that no longer fit our marketing strategy and um, having them put away and uh, design our channel to be more marketing. I will tell you that it was one of those things that uh, when, once I began working on it, it just became all-consuming. But there's a lot of opportunity for content creation um, and even dissemination through YouTube. Um, I will tell you that one of the areas that Wheaton struggles with is we share a name with another institution in Illinois that couldn't be more different from ours. And this is one territory where we've been able to make some gains um, in SEO when you search for uh, Wheaton College um, campus tour, um, for example. Um, our video is probably about a year old, but it is the video that pops up first. So um, it is a very important part of our strategy as video becomes more important in search for prospective students. Okay, so now is the time in Higher Voltage where we poke into your personal lives. Uh, a little fun something about yourself as we are exiting the doldrums of winter and starting to see the glimmer of spring coming up. 
What are you watching, doing? What are your hobbies? What do you want to share? I want to share what I'm doing and I'm watching. And I'm just waiting for people to troll me on Twitter because I I live a very high-tech life in my day job and a very low-tech free time uh, and hobbies. So my hobby that I'm doing a lot of right now because it's spring is I'm starting seeds and I'm getting ready to plant my garden and I am tripling the size of my garden this year. I think it's going to be like 2,500 square feet of garden growing space. So I am counting on staying home all summer to take care of that because that's going to be wild. And what I'm watching everyone's favorite 70s sitcom, Little House on the Prairie, which I never watched before. I am currently working through on Amazon Prime and I'm in season three and I will watch anything with Ma and Pa in it. I am so going to mock you for that on Twitter. Also, I am distantly related to Lara. No! That's mind-blowing. I have the genealogical trees to show it. (laughs) Uh, Anise, what are you watching, seeing, doing, and looking forward to in spring? Um, I think this will also welcome some Twitter mockery, but I never learned to ride a bike as a kid. So I made it my goal for 2021 to learn how to ride a bike. So um, that is what I'm going to be doing with the help of a coworker and friend. soon as soon as the weather uh, allows for it so watch out for my tiktoks and reels uh trolling myself because that will be part of my strategy i love it <laughs> are you going to be like david on schitt's creek learning to ride um, a bike I, or no that was alexis, alexis learning to ride a bike yeah i think i'm a little worse than alexis and um i and i think the content will prove uh, that for you so stay tuned Awesome. AJ, what are you up to? Um, watching wise, uh, it's all one division right now. Um, so I'm actually trying to figure out if we can tie that into social for Friday somehow, <laughs> because it's going to be the final episode. So I'm trying to figure that out right now. That's all I'm working on this week. Uh, it's just one tweet. <laughs> <laughs> what color is uh, your magic? <laughs> So, um, and then of course I'll continue with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier after that, and then Loki after that, and then I gotta wait. So, um, other than that, I'm kind of just ready for spring. You know, I'm tired of you know the cold, so um, I'm just ready for spring. Uh, spending time with the boys. Uh, my youngest, my oldest, wants to learn how to skateboard, so we're gonna work on that. Um, he's he's like a, you know how when you get a new puppy and their legs just grow like crazy. Uh, he's like that right now, and he's falling over everything because he's just got really long legs, and he's tripping over everything. He gets a bump on the head, you know, every day. I get calls from the nurse twice a week. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be spending time with them a lot in the spring, and we'll be, you know, working on boy stuff. All right, sounds like we all have a plan. So we're looking forward to more great conversations with higher ed thought leaders in the weeks and months to come. But I'd like to know where we can find each of you online, should our listeners like to reach out. Liz, where are you? I'm probably on Twitter. Uh, my username is LizGross144 because 144 is a dozen dozen, which is a gross. And I'm the same thing on Instagram, but you're going to find low-tech Liz on Instagram. It's all cooking and gardening and 
homesteading type stuff. And you can find me on LinkedIn where I love to be. Anise, where can we find you? Uh, likely on Twitter. I am at Anise Barboza everywhere. I've done a really nice job of like owning that username since my name is so unique. And AJ? Um, mostly on Instagram at AJL3photo. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I'm mostly responding or, you know, sending gifts to other people. So, you know, unless you're looking at my replies, there's not going to be a lot going on. And to our listeners, if you'd like to explore our topic further, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter also at hdotchel.com.